The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, this is Dr. Gary Bell. Uh, You're listening to Absurd Psychology I've got to tell you, uh, this is going to be an interesting episode today. Uh, This is titled uh, Living with Your Everyday Psychotic. And I can tell you that a lot of people live with psychotic people if they're not psychotic themselves. I doubt if anybody listening to this is psychotic themselves. I imagine that what they are is uh, basically uh, interested in the topic because they've got someone in their life that drives them absolutely nuts. Now, psychotic comes in a million different flavors, and uh, we'll go into that in a minute because I'll define it for you. But, you know, I have to I have to give you the information that you need as to why uh, so many people are attracted to crazy people. And, um, you know, the, the first big thing is a lot of people, for some reason are uh, pity the awkward people. They, they feel sorry for them, and so they want to move in and try to make them more comfortable. And, uh, you know, let's just say at parties, some, somebody's sitting alone at the bar or sitting in the corner while everyone's dancing. Uh, you go talk to them, ask them to dance. You're very nice, and obviously they don't often have someone be sweet to them. So, uh, you know, but if you're one to give an inch of kindness, they'll take a mile of your sanity and they'll pursue you because mm-hmm. they, they've they pinned you uh, as someone having uh, an attraction for them, someone that is nice to them, and uh, you won't reject them like everyone else does. So guilt eats you up and basically you end up staying with somebody like this and find comfort in them in a very strange way. You know, the other reason that people are attracted to crazy, and that's a set aside from physical, is the fact that they want to save someone. You know, people are depressed. A lot of people are depressed and down. Uh, Someone's lost their job, lost a loved one. They're going through a lot of uh, uh, issues. They they want somebody to fix them and take away their pain. And so that's what you want to do. You want to go in there and fix them and become that 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 staple for them. And you you step in and in that crisis time when they're deep and down and you try to make them feel happy about themselves. And you know, the problem is is that it shifts into you being the problem rather than them being the problem. That's what happens in these kinds of relationships. And so if you're one of these people that just have to uh, save somebody, you're going to be attracted to crazy. Also, you know, another reason is they want to prove that they mean well. 
And uh, so they're, they, they feel good about themselves when they're attracted to somebody uh, who looks like they're awkward or crazy or paranoid or suspicious. And they want to become that person that is not that for them. And so they want to prove themselves that they're, they're just, uh, that their motives are good and that they're a good person and, and uh, that they can find the good in everyone. And, and so it's more of a statement about the person uh, that is, is uh, going after the crazy person than it is about the crazy person. Also, uh, another thing is people like to date the avant-garde or the artists, and uh, they get kind of lost in their little world, uh, that their delusional world of artistry and how they see the world. And, and I'm not trying to belittle artists because artists are so vital to our world, but in relationships, oftentimes they're pigs. And so, you know, you've got to think, um, is this artist in love with their art? Or do they have the capability of love? Uh, most artists, in some regards, are loners uh, or pleasers. And, and so, you know, they, they basically usually are people that are creating art for, with too much energy. They're trying to please everybody, uh, trying to make everybody love them. Uh, uh, an artist like that would be uh, somebody like, uh, let's say, Walt Disney or, uh, say, somebody like... Um, uh, Picasso in his late years got that way. So, you know, these artists are usually very self-consumed because they are the product themselves. And so usually there's not a whole lot of room in their life for you. Or if there is, you better be extremely supportive and dedicated to them. Uh, another thing is some people only date online and this is going to attract crazy. You know, there's good people online. But they can cover up a whole lot of things about themselves online. Online, you can create any personality you want. And people do that all the time. And they reinvent themselves over and over in their profile. And, uh, you know, they, they, when they put out there what their jobs are, they could say sales when, in fact, they work at McDonald's. I mean, yes, they may work at the register. But, you know, are they really in a sales job? I mean, that's the kind of things you get. You get a lot of people posting stuff that's, that's very glossy and it doesn't have a lot of depth to it and how people see themselves in truth is usually not how they are as a person um, so you've got to be very careful about dating online and and profiles I can't tell you how many people in counseling I see uh, that tell me they you know they pick somebody to go out with they send them some pictures and they look like nothing like the pictures. The pictures must have been taken like 25 years ago. I mean, that's the sad truth is that, that people use their better pictures as, as bait uh, just to go out on a date. And, you know, people are very, very lonesome in this world and they will do crazy things to get you. So, you know, if you're only going to date online, you're going to have a hard time because you're not going to meet face-to-face -face people and really get through all the fake content until you get to the real content for a while. Whereas when you meet a person for real and you're on a one-on-one, -on -one, you've got a better shot at having good intuition and looking into what that person's all about. There's also uh, people that attract crazy because they crave celebrity. That means that they like the, the person that may be the center of the attention, the, the CEO, the boss, the supervisor, the, you know, whatever, the owner, 
There's people that like that sense of, wow, I'm with this person rather than I'm with this person. You know, they want to be recognized as uh, basically arm candy for a doctor or a lawyer or all kinds of different people that are highly successful in this life or, or at least of celebrity status, maybe in their community, maybe in their neighborhood. Uh, maybe in their, you know, state or whatever, maybe across the world. But the deal is people love celebrity and that is a person who attracts crazy. Also, people forget that people that love crazy people are crazy themselves. And I'm not just saying that you're super crazy, but when you're weak and you're figuring your life out and you don't know who you are, oftentimes you migrate to people who you think know who they are and yet they may not. And so people that are lost in this world and, and seeking somebody to anchor on are going to find themselves attracting crazy and that's because they're in a state of life that is crazy. So, you know, you have to look at yourself and go, wow, uh, who am I and what am I about? What do I want? And uh you know, the deal is, if you're going to look lost, um, you're going to anchor on just about anybody. And so, that's one of the reasons, that's the big reasons that people attract crazy. And that's kind of why I wanted to go in that to first. So, what is psychosis? What is it? You know, it's a condition that affects a person's ability to know what is real versus what is not real. Now, the, the experience of, of, you know, hearing voices... Uh, having unusual thoughts often occur in psychosis. And uh, psychosis is more common than people think. About 3% of all people experience psychosis at some point in their life. You know, many health disorders can include uh, psychosis, such as schizophrenia, bipolar, severe depression, a bad reaction to surgery, and on and on and on. You, you, you know, borderline uh, personality disorders. You don't need to know all about these, these diagnoses to learn how to deal more effective with psychosis. But, you know, psychosis is not just because a person has an unusual thought from time to time, and it does not mean the person is experiencing psychosis with those thoughts. You know, having unusual thoughts is not psychosis. When these thoughts occur but can be put out of one's mind easily, that's not it. But sometimes having psychosis and it continues to come back and stay in your mind, that's when it's becoming a problem. You know, suppose your unusual thoughts won't go away and you get confused about what is real or what is not real. You, you may also not, uh, uh, start to have another strange experience, such as hearing or seeing things that aren't there. You may feel confused and frightened, and it became, may become difficult to do things that you were able to do just a while ago. And uh, that is psychosis. So the symptoms are there. You know, the, here, here's what a few of them are. You know, disordered thinking and behavior is the most common. You know, they, they may talk in a disorganized way, not make a lot of sense. And this is important, folks, to identify these things because you may, in fact, have a relationship with somebody that is exactly like this, yet you never put your thumb on it. And I'm going to teach you how to deal with people like this in this episode. So uh, they may not seem to cooperate or seem spacey, not there. They have a hard time doing regular things like making meals or keeping, keeping themselves clean. Dressing inappropriately is also a sign or strangely uh, you know, wear hot clothes on a, on a uh, wear warm clothes on a hot day. That would be an example. So here's some things to do with somebody that has that disordered uh, thinking and behavior. Speak to the person in a very clear and simple way. 
If necessary, you want to repeat things, talking slowly and allowing plenty of time for the person to answer. And you also want to give step-by-step instructions. So you have to slow it down with people like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, here's another symptom, is not showing a wide range of feelings. And it's called a flat affect, is what it's called. And sometimes this person may seem not to move their face, may not move or respond or has no expression. They may not meet your eye. They may look away. Uh, They may actually not express much using their body. Um, And you want to be aware of this Mm -hmm. as a symptom of illness. And don't take it personally. And I'm talking about mental illness. It could be physical illness. You also want to try not to get frustrated or hurt that the person isn't showing their feelings much. When people have flat affect, they're pretty much in their own little world. And be aware that just because the person is not showing their feelings very much, it does not mean that they're not feeling anything. They do feel. And so, um, also, another symptom is like being silent or not talking much, having having trouble uh, starting and keeping going with activities and, and getting things done. They call that flighty. Uh, sitting for a long time doing nothing, uh, not showing much interest or participating in any sort of activity or not having much motivation. Once again, these are symptoms of psychosis, believe it or not. So you have to understand and acknowledge that these are, again, symptoms of illnesses. The person is not behaving in this way on purpose. Try not to become frustrated with how they are acting. Encourage them to gently participate in activities. That's how you get somebody through this. And that means you have to not mimic the energy and the problems that they have and don't egg them on. Also, uh, delusions and hallucinations are another factor. And oftentimes we call this schizophrenia. But to tell you what, uh, the truth is, is that you don't have to be schizophrenic to have delusions and hallucinations. And believe me, I have clients that live in delusions uh, on a continuous basis, uh, maybe not the hallucinations. Unusual beliefs and behavior may be part of a person's normal belief system or their culture. And if they are, they may have nothing to do with their mental illness. So you've got to take that in mind. You know, uh, there's there's talking to voices that are not there. That is extremely common. Uh, talking about a strongly held false belief like a delusion or something they hear, see, feel that is not there. Uh, behaving oddly because they feel a false belief. Um, uh, hear, see, feel something that is not really there. Avoiding water because a person thinks it's poisoned is common. Also preaching because they believe they're Jesus Christ. That happens all the time. I can't tell you how much heaven and hell goes into delusion. And then uh, being distracted and able to concentrate. And uh, that is, once again, the symptom of psychosis. Avoid arguing with the person about their delusions. Delusions are extremely fixed and difficult to change. Just let them go. Connect with the emotion of the delusion or the hallucination. It must be frightening to believe you're Jesus Christ. You know, calm calm things down. Reduce the number of people and noise around the person. Make the person not as exposed because they may find that they're embarrassed, shamed, and guilty because they had these uh, hallucinations or delusions in the middle of people who know and love them or strange people. Also, you want to show compassion for how a person feels and their false beliefs. And, and that, that sense of, of, of compassion is very, very important. It doesn't mean sympathy. It's empathy. And that's healthy. 
and uh, you know, don't feel sorry for them. Don't belittle them. Just get in there and just be cautious and be calm and be kind. Also, uh, being paranoid, and there is a lot of paranoid people out there. And that, what is paranoia? It's it's behaving as though they're being followed, tricked, spied on. Uh, being overly sensitive or suspicious. They have 50 questions for any observation a person makes. Uh, behaving in a way that's going along with uh, their b- belief, their paranoid belief. They're irritable. Uh, they're, they're usually aggressive. And the person could be afraid because the delusion may act out of that fear. And, and if they have a delusion that is a paranoid delusion, wow, They'll, they'll follow through with it during that manic state. So you want to avoid arguing with these people that are paranoid. You want to let them know that you can understand why they're, they're afraid and give the things they're thinking. Give it back. You know, I know you're thinking this. You told me you're thinking that, blah, blah, blah. You want to stay calm. And you want to show them your body language that you're on the same mm-hmm. side. So you want to sit rather beside them instead of in front of them because in front of them creates a confrontational uh, approach. All right, we're going to go into the causes and uh, where uh, people with psychosis often work, and then we're going to go into how you can deal with them. We're going to take a quick break and come back to Absurd Psychology. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you have complete control over your thoughts and your life? It seems like we do, but there are always outside forces that are wreaking havoc with that control. How do we get our thoughts back on track, so to speak? Listen for help. My thoughts are holding me hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. When you command the power of thought, you can achieve or have whatever you want. Make the laws of the universe work for you. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
Welcome back. We're talking about uh, psychosis. Why do people like psychotic people? Boy, oh boy. Well, we got to understand what psychotic is to know if we're attracted to psychotic. So, you know, there's many causes for, for psychotic. In fact, you know, nobody's immune from it. Uh, it occurs in all sorts of people, in all cultures. Almost everyone uh, would develop psychosis by going without sleep for a long period of time or overusing certain drugs. Uh, such as amphetamines for an extended period of time. Developing, you know, developing psychosis has nothing at all to do with being mentally weak. You, you can't simply will yourself to not uh, develop psychosis. And, and research, in fact, shows that a number of things can influence the onset. And these things can be uh, factors uh, grouped together, such as situation, the physical state, your thoughts and perceptions, your emotions, and your actions. And, and these state changes, your thoughts, may actually come together in all of those uh, factors. And, and so, you know, what can cause psychosis? Like breaking up with someone, uh, you know, can, can cause that. Someone that's highly stressed, uh, bills that can't be paid, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things. Death. Uh, moving to a new country or a new city, changing schools, taking on a new job. These are all things that can cause psychosis. And that's environmental, but it's how we deal with that environment and how we perceive that the environment that actually instigates the psychosis and develops warped thinking. And, you know, it increases when a person is faced with a stressful situation. This doesn't mean that people only develop psychosis when things are not going well. People develop it when things are going well also uh, because they have stressful thoughts and paranoid thoughts. And that will cause it. You know, if, if you're going to have delusions and hallucinations and fears and you're going to dream up of all the worst case scenarios that could happen when change takes place in life, which life is change, then you're going to live in a state of psychosis on a continuous basis. So, uh, you know, once again, uh, uh, situational high stress causes hostility and conflict. Uh, distorted thinking, uh, an exaggerated self-image can cause that, you know, especially when people bring you down and uh, help you understand that the way you think you are is not the way you come across, you know, and that, that can cause psychosis and trying to break that egg open and say you're not who you think you are, um, you know. Uh, people often have uh, perception difficulties. They, they develop coping skills such as tuning people out. And that is a state of psychosis because then you're not aware of, of your surroundings. You're not aware of what's being told to you. You're not, uh, in, you're not interacting with the people around you or the environment you're in. Uh, also, uh, uh, um, genes can cause this, uh, the genetic factor. Lack of sleep, like I said, or drugs, and, and all kinds of drugs can cause delusions and hallucinations. Also, excessive fear. And that's a big one. You know, uh, I often say that when fear enters, faith leaves. And faith, and I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about faith that good things are going to happen. Like a relationship is a leap of faith. And so, you know, if I'm going to dis, uh, try to trust someone, then I'm developing a, a faith-based relationship. But if I'm going to start fearing that they're having an affair or where are they going, what are they doing, I'm going to have to track them down, that's psychotic. That is psychotic. If people are going to be in a relationship, stop freaking out about where your partner is. If you really think they're having an affair, break up with them. Get a divorce. Forget about it. You know, if you think they're having an affair, don't discuss it with your partner. Just 
shut up. Shut up and try to prove it on your own and do good detective work. And if you discover they're doing somebody or, or you know, having an emotional relationship with an, another person, then bring it up to their attention and already have made your decision what you're going to do. Because at that point, uh, you know, if you're really going to go off the deep end, the worst thing you can do is accuse, accuse, accuse without proof because you're the one that looks like the idiot. You're the one that looks psychotic. As a matter of fact, it is psychotic. Okay, now, uh, you know, if a person's actions lack emotion, that is a state of psychosis. They're actually not feeling, they're just kind of drifting, and they're very vulnerable at that point. So let's just say, what jobs attract psychopaths? Well, hmm, CEOs, CEOs are, are very attracted to the idea of being in charge of everything. By the way, these are all control-oriented jobs that I'm going to bring up. Lawyers, uh, media, television, radio, gee, well, here I am. Um, salespeople are also can be psychotic. Uh, surgeons oftentimes are psychotic. They don't like to interact with public. They'd rather just be doing surgery. Uh, it, once again, very controlling, very, very controlling type of jobs. Journalists can be psychotic. Uh, police officers uh, are people that are psychotic, love to be in a psychotic situation so they don't feel crazy. They'd rather be the one managing crazy. Um, clergies, I'm sorry to say, uh, chefs. And uh, civil servants, and a civil servant can be simple as a therapist like myself. And they are attracted to this kind of job. It's crazy. It is crazy, but it's true. Okay. And, and uh, for those uh, potentially wanting to avoid working with psychotic people, uh, you probably want to work in the care industry as a care aide or a nurse or a therapist or a craftsperson or a beautician. Uh, maybe a charity worker or a teacher or a creative artist or, or a doctor. And I'm talking about a doctor that sees patients or an accountant. These are jobs that are less likely to interact with psychotic people. There is no guarantees out there. So what do you want to do with a psychotic person in your life? You want to help them. And uh, the way you can support a person like that is communicating calmly and avoiding lengthy, heated conversations while they're in a manic state. And also, you want to deal with risky behavior. You want to try to get things to where they're not in a risky situation or have the resources to do risky things. Let's say your partner is manic or bipolar or psychotic, and you give them a credit card with a $26,000 credit limit, you're the crazy person for allowing that person to have that resource. That is something that you are setting yourself up for a horrible mess uh, because that person, when they get into that state of mind, they're going to spend, 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 spend. Um, you know, uh, the other thing is a lot of psychotic people, not all of them, I will tell you many of them are out there and too prideful to take medication, but medication is often a part of their treatment. There's things called mood stabilizers, and mood stabilizers are wonderful things, especially when they're paired with an antidepressant, because what they do is they stabilize the brain. They allow the person to think more clearly and it eliminates the possibilities of having a whole lot of manic episodes. So they get less manic episodes. And when they're manic, they're not quite as bad. 
but when they are uh, manic, they still are destructive, but they're 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 livable. And so, medication is something that is is deeply important to a person who experiences psychosis. And 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 don't believe that you have to participate in a person's that psychotics numerous projects and goals. You know, you want to be cautious about becoming swept up in their hypomanic or manic mood. You know, I brought up uh, 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 Walt Disney. Walt Disney w- was a very interesting character, and uh, I'm reading his his uh, biography. And what's fascinating about the guy is he was extremely loved by so many people. I mean, he was almost as popular as uh, President Eisenhower during that time period. Uh, if you ask people about two Americans, can you name two Americans? Ike and Walt was generally the thing. But to the people who worked for Walt Disney, and I'm not talking about the people smiling at you at the park, not that they do that anymore. They used to do that. But, uh, you know, the deal is, is that those folks uh, that worked very closely with Walt Disney found that he, he was like walking on eggshells. He was very psychotic. His mood swings would go up and down in a second. He could turn on you like a snake. And, and yet he was a very good man. He was very good intentions, but he wanted to have complete control of all of Disney. And, and why not? His name was on it. He had the right to do that. And he was a genius. But the truth is he was a very moody genius and he did go through people like water. Um, he, he went through a lot of very talented people and just wore them out. And so, you know, I'm communicating about somebody that we may all recognize or know that was psychotic. Now, to what we saw on television, he wasn't. But what was behind the scenes, he was. At least from what the book says. And I can tell you, I don't know the man I go to Disney all the time because we have passes, but the deal is, is that uh, I know the history, and uh, I do know some people that had worked for Walt Disney. Okay, you also uh, want to you, you don't want to believe or participate in in their goals and in their projects all the time. You don't want to be like the the person, the go to person for them. You know, uh, it's a mental illness, and it's characterized by episodes of manic highs and manic lows. And so, you know, people that have uh, uh, psychotic episodes truly can go up and down. They truly cannot sometimes remember from one day to the next where they've been and who they are and what they're all about. There's times that they can just completely block out uh, 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 conversations that you've had with them or even trips that you've spent with them. They can just completely forget it. Um, and it's a chemical imbalance. And you, as a person living with somebody like that, you've got to understand that this is a very real thing. It's not tangible. You can't see it. You can only see it in their moods. But what you can see is their, you know, their, their moods and their attitudes, but you can't see the, the actual diagnosis. And it, you, know, you can just see the causes of it. And that's hard for people. It's like uh, if you see somebody in a wheelchair, well, gee, you feel sorry because you see it. It's tangible. But mental illness is intangible. You know, the, the people that are in psychotic episodes, and it's very important to, to be very aware of this, is they often think they're immune from unusual rules of law, uh, from death, from social restraints. And they take risks that would uh, not usually consider, uh, they would consider in a normal state of mind. And this can make them a very uh, dangerous person and to themselves and other people. 
And you've got to be aware of that. So if you see a person and you're the loved one and you're their partner and you're in a, they're in a manic episode, you need to try to get them in a place where they're going to impact their life less and other people less. And you want to get them to take their medication if they have it. Often, you know, they don't, they don't, uh, if they don't suffer an acute manic episode for a while, then what happens is they think they're okay and they don't take the medication. And you go, wow, things have been going great for the last three weeks. And guess what's going to happen soon? Uh, so you have to always be ready if you're a partner with somebody like this. You've always got to be ready for that manic episode because the truth is, you're about the only net they have to fall into. So here's some survival tips. Breathe. When things are tough, take a deep breath, step back. It's a disease. It's not a person. So you need to try to remember that. It's huge. You also want to build a support system, and that may include other people that have psychotic uh, partners. <laughs> Maybe it's your neighbor. <laughs> it may be your family. It may be friends. Uh, it may be other bipolar people that are not having a manic episode so that they can try to help you understand their way of thinking. And you also want to get away. You know, if you can get away and, and, and make sure that they're safe, but also get away to protect yourself, you know, time away uh, is a good thing. And being around insanity all the time can be very draining on a person. So, you know, you want to try to avoid them sometimes. Go away. Go to a relative's house. Go take a trip with a friend or, or something. But you want to do that. You also want to enforce to stay with you. You have got to take medication and you can't get off it. You need to take it every day. And if I have to supervise you, that's what I'm going to do. And so if you're living with a psychotic person, get them to a psychiatrist immediately and sit down, explain the behaviors that that person's going through because they're not going to explain it to the psychiatrist. And you want to get medication for your partner, not for them, for yourself so that you can put up with them. That is huge, and a lot of people don't do that, and you need to do that. If you've got a psychotic partner, get your butt to the psychiatrist and get some relief and let them help you. Also, when they're in psychotic episodes and they say horrible things to you, you want to recall their love. You try to want to recall what they're like when they're stable or a, or a good person because these manic episodes are not always who they are. This is a pattern and this is usually a biological pattern and you've got to understand that they can only control so much. Also, you know, it's important if you're married to somebody to have a philosophy of the marriage you know, I, may, I married you for better or worse. I didn't marry a disease. I married the person that you are. I understand you have these episodes, but I don't think you're the person that you are when you're having these episodes. And you got to stay strong in that sense if you're going to be with somebody like that. The, 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 another key that is so important to survive is to look for triggers. You know, oftentimes these people have triggers that, that really get them unstable. Triggers can be as simple as, thing, you know, children getting in an argument or finances are not doing well or maybe something happened at work uh, or maybe you're having a bad mood and all of a sudden they get into a bad state. So, you know, you want to look at the things that are very common and uh, you want to eliminate as many of those things as you possibly can. You also um, want to ask them, you know, uh, have an honest discussion about what's helpful for your spouse or your partner when they're in this mood. 
what can you do to try to help? What would be best? And, and that's critical. And so if you can do that, you have a good chance of helping yourself through psychosis and their state of psychosis. Also, also um, you know, people who are unfamiliar with the devastation mania uh, leaves in its wake may joke that they wish they could be a little manic just so they could get things done, like finish a project or complete a never-ending to-do list. They stay up all night, can be wide awake the next day, the next and the next. Because when people are in a manic, a psychotic state, sometimes they could stay up for days. Sometimes they are over-industrious. And so, you know, that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, you don't want to be manic. You, you don't want to depend on that to happen in your life. And so don't make it a strength and don't look at yourself as needing to do that just to get things done and join them in that psychosis. You know, what is mania and what isn't it? And, and, and it's an abnormal, persistent, irritable, elevated, or expansive mood. And it can also be a uh, decreased need for sleep. They could be very talkative, have rapid thoughts, be very distracted, over-focused on something like school, work, personal, sexual activities. They take risks or they have an elevated sense of self-esteem. And that may be all of the above. And that, that are things that you as a survivor dealing with psychosis need to recognize that this is very real. It is v- just because you can't see it. It is very real. Okay, so that's what we're going to, we've talked about the survival, but now we need to talk about what you can do and what to do to help control your life under these circumstances. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about psychosis. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Life is a journey which never gets easier. As we go through life, we just handle things better as we get to know ourselves. Listen for the Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Host Alexandra Janelli believes that each of us are pre-programmed with all the answers and tools we need to move through any situation life throws at us. It's discovering those tools and answers that will set us on the right path to enjoying and navigating life. Listen every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but... 
If you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. We're uh, talking about psychosis and mania. And uh, what we're trying to do is understand how to navigate a relationship with somebody who struggles with this kind of stuff. Because it's possible. It is entirely possible to be with somebody who lives in manic states or, you know, has some type of psychosis. It's just very important that you attune your brain to the world that they're living in. And, and that's huge. And, and you have got to understand that, that you, it can't be a blame thing. And it doesn't mean they can get away with doing anything. What it does mean is you have to have really good boundaries with a partner like that. And you have to have real good understanding when it is the mental illness speaking rather than the person. And that doesn't excuse them for saying, just like when a person kills people when they're in a psychotic state, that doesn't mean they're free to walk the streets. They're still guilty for the crime. You know, you do have to hold them accountable for what they do in a manic state. And hopefully it will encourage them to try to cope with it better. Um, so, you know, what do you want to do? You, you, you want to look at the warning signs and they vary. They vary from person to person. And, and uh, for some people, it takes several months to actually reach a full manic episode, while others, it just happens in a day or two. You know, mania can take place over a long period of time or a very short period of time. It, it all comes in different flavors. And, and so what you want to look at look out for is like a muted form of it and what you may want to see is they go on a spending spree or they get real irritable for three or four days but they're not unlivable they're just irritable well that's something to tell you that hey they're probably getting into a manic state and it could get worse it's kind of like they're kind of rocky like on the ocean and, and so the muted time is when you really want to start discussing, is this thing coming and what it's going to do and what we need to do to prepare for it. Having that ongoing dialogue about the mania and how taking their temperature is very, very important. And uh, uh, the other thing is, is you want to look for uh, sudden improvements in mood because if they go through a depressive state and all they suddenly jump up and get into a better state of mind, what you want to realize is that it, they're not clear. They're not clear just because they come out of it a little bit and have a good day or a good week or whatever doesn't always mean they're not going to go back into it. And a lot of people get relieved when they see their, their partner with a manic state or, or a psychotic state come up out of it, especially if it's a depression where they've laid in bed for five days. Uh, but the deal is they may go back to bed and lay there for five days. So you, you've got to understand that it comes and it goes. And uh, you will realize patterns with a psychotic person if you pay s- total attention to it because it does have triggers. It does have patterns. It does uh, uh, have a consistency to it if you really study it. And you as a partner have a great chance to to come to empower yourself to to discover that and to realize it and to understand it and know when your partner is is talking through mania and know when your partner is being themselves. Also, you always want to create a proactive plan. You know, when they're they're well, you want to get with them and you want to create a plan that when you're like this, what do you what can I do? What can I do that won't offend you or trigger you, but I have to protect myself. 
And uh, what are some, you know, asking them, you know, what are some warning signs that you see personally? Are you aware of them? And can you actually uh, communicate that to me so I can protect myself? You know, these are conversations that you want to have with your psychotic partner. You want to be proactive and you want to anticipate potential problems, especially if they're like name calling or or, or if if they're uh, calling the doctor 50 times because they got all kinds of different symptoms going on. Whatever that may be, uh, you really, really want to, to work on a proactive plan. You also want to set limits around self-destruction. So when the partner is in a manic state, you want to get the credit cards out of their hand. You want to get the things that are going to destroy the family out of their hands, and that may include the car. Um, You want to get their resources cut down as much as possible, but you don't want to just strip it away. What you want to do is get their agreement while they're in a steady mind and a a good uh, form of thinking. You want to get them when they're calm and when they're thinking through things. And you actually want to put it on paper if you can help yourself. These are things you can do to help yourself. You also um, want to help them delay their impulses. Give themselves a time out before they do those things. If they're going to put money into a stock, you know, instead of shutting them down, you, you, let's see how much the stock is on Thursday. Let's try to wait. Um, you know, meeting with an investment counselor instead of spending on the stock might be a better idea. And I'm just using that as an example. Uh, or checking with other friends. These are things you can do to help them manage that manic state and have processes in place so they can pull away from it you know you also have to realize that you may be in danger and and it's very important to call the police whenever it is necessary you know if they're going to commit suicide or if they're going to commit murder or they're threatening murder people in manic states may end up doing exactly and have actually a better chance of doing in a manic state the things that they're threatening than they do when they're not and so you yourself do not want to be afraid to call, um, you know, the police or, or get them into a 5150 hospitalization. We're going to talk about suicide in a few minutes. And by the way, suicide itself is a manic uh, act. People that are suicidal are manic. If people threaten suicide, they're manic. You need to understand that, that that is a part of mania. And that is a red flag that that person has manic symptoms And it doesn't mean they're manic right now, but if they're threatened suicide in the past or they're thinking about suicide, that is mania, psychosis, delusion. Believe it, understand it, comprehend it, because you need to understand that in your life. You know, uh, don't assume if you're with somebody that medication is going to cure everything. Uh, Medication is metabolized differently on different days. And it may may not be the right dosage rate after a, a certain amount of time when the body gets used to it. So you have to understand that medication itself is not going to solve a thought disorder. It just puts the brain in a better state of mind to be able to comprehend and have better coping skills. It doesn't mean that the brain's going to use those coping skills. You also, if you're with somebody that is psychotic, you want to know what your limits are. You want to know what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. If you're not capable of solving it or stopping their episodes, you want to call on your support system to assist you. You cannot do it alone. And I'm not talking about your little children. I'm talking about neighbors, friends, family, anybody that can assist you to bring this person down and out of their state of mind. Now, you have to take in mind their safety risks. You know, sometimes... 
the, these symptoms uh, can uh, result in behaviors or actions that may place the person at risk from of themselves or to you. Uh, you know, especially paranoids. Paranoids can get really freaky and they can do some really crazy stuff. You know, so, so symptoms of psychosis can cause distress so severe that the person may consider suicide, uh, strange ideas, strange thoughts, feelings of self-harm, wanting to end life. And, and you need to take that very surf as a serious. So here's some actions that you may consider as, as manic these are true signs of mania, looking for a way to kill themselves, talking about a s- specific suicidal plan, feeling hopeless or having no reason to live, feeling the need to escape from an intolerable situation, not wanting to be a burden to others. That is a very strong sign that they are manic and in a, a uh, suicidal state of mind. Here's what you want to do. It's important that you stay calm and you help get help quickly. Now, by the way, when we're talking about ending your life, when we're talking about suicide, you have to understand what suicide is. It's pain management. Um, you know, when we're in a deep pain, like a physical pain, let's say we've been cut or broken arm or whatever, uh, we, uh, we just want it fixed. That's all we want. And all we think about is, is our, our hurt arm or our whatever it is that's, that we're ill from. We're not thinking about our loved ones. We're not thinking about it. We're always thinking, I can't be myself with this, this pain. Well, suicide's the same way, but it's internal. And so the state of mind the person is in is, I need to get rid of this pain. And the only way I know of getting rid of it is killing myself. Well, they, that, it's extremely important you understand that they know of at that time. You're the one that has to help them think through things. You know, don't leave them alone. Be there to listen and to the person's concerns and show them you love and care for them. You know, there's a suicide hotline. It's, a, it's 1-800-SUICIDE. Real simple. Call it. Have them call it. You want to remain calm. You want to 51 to get a, maybe a, a police officer to assist you that does 5150s. And you uh, also may want to get them to the hospital for an assessment, especially if they're in a suicidal state. So, you know, if, if a person that is suicidal and they're thinking about it, it, oftentimes it's usually not a suicidal threat. If you look at all of the, the feigned suicides where people brought up suicide over 850 times average in the United States in a year, about 35,000 of those folks actually do it. And usually it's the people that bring it up the first time that they actually go through it. The people that continue to threaten suicide, often they're doing that to get attention. And you have to realize that. That doesn't mean you don't take them seriously. But what you have to do is uh, recognize that if I give them attention and I try to spend some one-on-one time with them, maybe that's going to calm them down because that's quite possibly what they're trying to do. Um, You know, people that threaten suicide are often overwhelmed and anxious and uh, they, they just don't understand what options they have. And so when you sit down and talk to them, you want to talk about what's causing so much pain. Well, I'm broke or I can't do this or I can't do that or I lost my girlfriend, I lost my boyfriend, whatever the loss is, you know, I'm grieving over, you know, lost a child, God forbid, or, or whatever it is. 
you really want to talk through that pain and identify with them. It doesn't mean you sympathize with them, that you jump in the soup with them. But what it does mean is you feel bad for them. You, you, you understand. You, you hear what they're saying. That's called listening. Very important to do when a person is in a suicidal state. And oftentimes, people that are psychotic or manic also are suicidal. And that's why I'm bringing this up. So what what is uh, you know a prediction of suicide? Well, people that have severe anxiety or panic attacks are highly likely to get into a suicidal state. Uh, people that have very depressed moods, uh, people that have recently lost a, a close personal relationship. Uh, the biggest one of the biggest ones is substances, including alcohol abuse, uh, is a big one. Uh, another con, uh, contributor is uh, feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, worthlessness, and that's called self-esteem. And that comes from childhood. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's increasingly uh, becoming a problem that people that have chronic deteriorating me- mental illness turn to suicide because the media has actually uh, shown that as an option to me, po- people. We have to understand that exposure of mental illness and how people cope with it is now out there on a very wide scale through the media and people jump into that. And it's uh, sad. So what happens when you get a suicidal threat? You want, don't want to fight. You don't want to get an argument with them. Uh, you, you want to stay calm. You don't want to confront your, the, the person or, or uh, accuse them of manipulating you. And you don't want to give, get into the, uh, give in to their threats. You want to be cautious about relenting and just, uh, just show that you really care. That's important. Also, um, things to do with a suicidal person is uh, suicide threats that feel manipulative are the ultimate uh, no-win situations. So you simply want uh, to be refused to be put in the position, and despite your family members' attempts to make you feel responsible for the life and death, just say no. Your feelings are yours. My feelings are mine. All I can do is is empathize with your feelings. You know, um, this is how it will hurt me if you kill yourself. This is the impact it will have on our children if you hurt yourself. This is the impact it will have on our family if you kill yourself. These are things that they're not thinking about. They're not thinking about the other people and who, who uh, it's going to affect. And, uh, you know, don't go into the guilt. If you really cared whether I live or die, you'd come home every weekend. Well, or come home and, and love me. Well, no, I love you, but I cannot be with you when you're in that state of mind. And so, you know, you don't want to be with somebody and reward them if they have suicidal behavior. After they've gotten through the suicidal state, you want to go on with your independent life. And that is very, very critical. Do not lose your individuality to a suicidal, psychotic, or a manic partner. All right, that's our show. Our next show is Marriage 101. I'm actually going to teach you how to be married. I want to thank everyone for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Remember, if you're wrong and you shut up, you're wise. If you're right and you shut up, you're married. (laughs) They say marriage is made in heaven, but so is thunder and lightning. That's Clint Eastwood. Thanks for listening to Absurd Psychology. This is Dr. Gary Bell.
That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.